Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. All right. Live from the gleaming streamline. <laughs> State-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. The following program is produced with some sort of bizarre <laughs> alacrity. How's that for a word? By Magic Matt Allen. I thought it was more apathy. <laughs> apathy and alacrity. I saw them once on Broadway. Uh... <laughs> True crime uncensored in the revolving door world of contemporary broadcasting. This is the constant potential power source. <laughs> How do you like that, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am the legendary Burl Bear, the man there, Mark C.G. Boyer, fact checker extraordinaire. I certainly hope so. And uh, joining us today, my beloved daughter, Anaya Bergen Bear. It's her, her birthday. Indeed it is. Yes. Happy birthday to Have you. you. Happy birthday to you. 45 years on this planet. My decrepitude is legendary. Only, comp- like only lessened by yours. Yes. <laughs> Your decrepitude? Is yes. that what you said? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes. She's, only, she's more decrepit than I, only because she got in a terrible auto accident. <laughs> Why don't you tell them about the brilliant structure of this accident? How brilliant the guy was that caused this accident. So, uh, a year and, or in three days it'll be a year ago, I was in a lift and we got on the freeway. It was still dark out. And uh, a person had stopped their car and turned it off at the uh, entrance to the interstate waiting to be hit by someone joining the freeway. So they could sue them for hitting them. Exactly. So my Lyft driver, going 60 miles an hour, slammed directly into a completely stationary vehicle. Wow. Yes, it was great fun. And my spine is so happy about it. Yes, Yes. well, three ruptured discs. Yes. And the insurance company offered you a settlement. That was insulting. Yes, far less than the cost of the surgery. Which I still have not had. Yes, uh, and they will drag this out until you're 80 years old. So did, uh, see, there's any of a number of L.A. attorneys that advertise. And, and I have one, and I'm happy with my attorney. The trouble I'm, is, is I'm not happy with my attorney's assistant. Ah. Uh-huh. Ah. Uh-huh. Is actually the issue. Well, I'm sure you'll, you'll take her to task when you... <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, that'll be very exciting. And, of course, Anaya, being a true crime fan, being as her father oh, my, is, yes. is an award-winning true crime writer. She, and and uh, office rocker. Yes. But, <laughs> Indeed. That she, much we're sure of. She knows that firsthand. Being <laughs> I really, as, really do. She knows that I'm wacky as a wabbit. But yeah. she keeps track of all these true crime Are stories. Are you rascally, too? Yes, Indeed. I'm wa- very rascally. Uh, so I Anaya, therapy bill to prove it. She tells me about these stories that are so bizarre, so absurd. I go, are you making this stuff up? Yeah, and sadly I'm not. I, I Yeah, every day I'm telling my dad about a new, off- offensive, bizarre case. So tell me about this latest bizarre true crime case you told me about. Well, it, it was a year and a half, two years ago, uh, but I heard about it today. Uh, the An elected official in Las Vegas by the name of Robert Tellis... Yes. Is currently on trial for the murder of a journalist in Las Vegas uh, named Mr. German. Mm-hmm. You think it was German, but it's not. It's a hard G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, who wrote an expose article about him being a poor boss to his employees. So the way to handle this is, of course, to kill the journalist. Which he did after he lost re-election, which he blamed on the journalist. Um, and so he drove his wife's car to the journalist's home in the middle of the day in Las Vegas, you know, when no one can see you. Yes. And um, his wife's burgundy SUV and put on a fluorescent orange jacket and a large uh, straw hat. Yes. And then walked down the street, hung out in uh, journalist German's uh, yard for about five minutes until the journalist came outside. And then he stabbed him seven times (laughs) and then ran back to his wife's large SUV and drove home. That makes sense. It took less than 24 hours for him to be arrested because he had made a rather public spectacle of how angry he was at this journalist. Yes. So he was a prime suspect to start. He was a prime suspect to begin with. He probably figured, knowing how wise public officials think, Mm -hmm. if I kill this journalist, 
There'll be no more articles about me in the paper. Exactly. And so he's now attesting on the local news from jail because he's not getting bail for this. Uh, and he's been in custody now two and a half years. Mm-hmm. That uh, he was framed. Yes. Yes. He doesn't know how they framed him. But his DNA got underneath the uh, the guy's fingernails. Of course. His wife's car was used. Uh-huh. And uh, the clothes that the attacker wore were found in his home. Of course. Um, Further proof he was framed. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know how, but he was framed. Definitely. Yeah, well, you know, if the outfit doesn't fit, exactly. you, know, you must have quit. And then he, because, you know, he's a, a narcissist, he's, he's fired five different teams of attorneys in the last eight months. He originally was supposed to go to trial in April of 2023, but things have been delayed. He keeps on firing his lawyers. Probably because they know he's guilty. Probably, (laughs) but he told the judge that the judge needs to recuse herself because she was intentionally embarrassing him. (laughs) I'm not kidding. This guy sounds like he is as the... A winner. Yeah. He's uh, BSC. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. He's Meshuggah. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. You know, there's enough Jews in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Me to accentuate. Happy New Year, everyone. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, Shana Tova with a Shana Pudding. Yeah. No, 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 nothing to do with the person's face. Yeah, nothing to do with their face. No. No, it's Lashana Tova. No, okay. And so the judge said said to him, gay cock it off and go. Exactly. All right. I'm not going swimming. (laughs) I'm just not. Not today. Not in the ocean. No, I didn't bring my trunks, no matter how nice the pool looks. And the pool does look lovely. It really does. Yeah, Matt Allen has a lovely pool. Not like the old one. Well, the old one, was the ever see Creature from the Black Lagoon? We were just (laughs) discussing that a few minutes ago. Yes. Yeah, was Richard Carlson in that one? Uh, possibly. He was in all of them. <laughs> he was in every movie ever made. He and Gary Busey. <laughs> yes. Gary Busey was in every movie made in the 1980s. Gary Busey did a hit and run like two weeks ago. He did a hit and run? Another with one in Malibu, yeah. He's going to get in trouble for that. He did, yeah. I feel sorry for him. So the woman filmed him. He just got back in his car. He drives a Volvo, you know, so he can get in a lot of accidents. <laughs> and, um... He just got back in his car and drove away, refused to give her his insurance information, because no one will know it's Gary Busey. (laughs) No one will know it's me. I've only been in movies and television. Yes, yes. Let me run away. Richard Carlson, yes. Richard Carlson. Yes, and Julie Adams. Who else? Julie Adams was the... Julie, uh, I don't remember. Not Julie, Julie. Andrews, but no. Julie Andrews. Yeah, she was the... <laughs> Julie Andrews <laughs> was not a creature from the Black Lagoon. But, uh, you know, my favorite, my favorite parts of that movie... Are when the creature lifts his arms and you can see the zippers. Really, I didn't. Oh, really? Huh? Mm-hmm. They did three sequels, didn't they? Or just two? Uh they. I don't know. Like even the, more? No. The uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. The creature walks among us. That's the one where they did surgery on him to remove the zippers mm. <laughs> and put him in a suit and had him run for office. I think in Las Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> But no, there really was a sequel to Creatures of the called The Creature Walks Among Us, where they uh, tried to uh, Richard Carlson was also in one of my favorites from the 50s, Earth versus the Flying Saucer. Yeah, that, he's in that one. Yeah. I like the uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original one. Well, that was a good movie. That was that a was good very movie. good movie. Although there is a major continuity flaw at the end of the picture, which no one bothers to think about. Well, probably because yeah. they don't care. Because they're so caught up in it. I mean, the whole premise is that you fall asleep and you are replaced by the thing that has grown in the pod. And the pod has to be near you to grow this replica of right, you. Right, and she's in the cave. She's oh. in the cave, falls asleep, opens her eyes, and she's now, now a pod person. Yeah, the pod is person it? is the one that should be waking up, not her. Yeah, not her, yeah. But, but you're so into the movie, you don't care by that. Right. What I thought was cool is when they did the the remake of well, the movie. Well, with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Is, That's really a good movie. Is they had Kevin McCarthy, not the guy who's in politics right now, although I think he's a pod person. Yes, I know. <laughs> we, know we know Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> uh, they had that same actor do the same line that he does at the end of the original movie, at the beginning of the new movie, <laughs> where he's in, out in traffic yelling, they're here, they're here. They, did, uh, they did another sequel. 
It was awful. on an army base. Yeah, I thought it was awful. I liked it a lot. Why? Because uh, they, the sheer thought of a an authoritarian section of the society in charge of the pod scared the crap out of me. That oh, sense. that makes sense. I mean, you think about, you know, a small town and trucks driving around with the pods. Who cares? But if you have I lived in a small town with trucks driving around. I cared. <laughs> but if yeah. you have if you have the army protecting the trucks and Yeah, well then I can see that you're paranoid delusions there. But well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I I see you every week. I should be. <laughs> see, I in our small town, you could fill the penitentiary with the pods. Yes. And that would be like a harvesting scenario. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the story, true story, of when uh, when Alex Merkley and I were teaching the mind development classes at Washington State Penitentiary. Did, did that ever work for you? Yes. Part of my mind that works is because of that. <laughs> it's a very small part. <laughs> yeah. Is there was a guy who used our techniques to stay in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't want to be released from prison. He'd been there for several decades he was up to be released, and he didn't want to be released. Mm-hmm. So he came up with a plan that he would walk out of prison, go to the Red Apple Cafe, mm-hmm. have a cup of coffee, and just sit there and wait to be yeah. arrested. He said, well, how are you going to do this? He's got it all figured out. He visualized it, visualized it, visualized it. His, you know, He studied the Seminole Indians in Florida with the greatest trackers in the world because they didn't put any energy out at all so that made them essentially invisible Mm -hmm. and so he worked real hard on just walking out of prison (laughs) and going to the red apple cafe and having a cup of coffee and sure enough we came back a couple months after he was supposed to be out Mm -hmm. and we looked to see who's in our class and it's him. He's one of the students again. He's got a big smile on his face. Boy, you guys are great. You sure helped me stay here another 15 years. <laughs> says, I used your techniques, walked right out, went to the Red Apple, had a cup of coffee, put 15 years on my sentence. <laughs> You'd think the punishment would be the coffee at the Red, but it wasn't. <laughs> so that was, uh, <laughs> that was fun. So any other, any other fascinating uh, Prison tales? Oh, uh, the other prison tale, uh, I'll tell one more, is the guy who we would, and Matt will appreciate this because he's always talking about taking personal responsibility. We uh, mm-hmm. were doing this class on personal responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, you know, improving yourself and blah, blah, blah. And guy comes up very serious after the exercise. He goes, I really want to thank you, Mr. Bear. You, you taught me a lot. Next time I do a bank job, I'm doing it all by myself. <laughs> I don't think you quite understood the essence of the message. What other great criminal cases, Anaya, have you discovered? Recently? Yes. Mm. Or any time in your life. Any time in my life. I mean, so no, many. I mean, you do have a friend that was an axe murderer. A friend? No, I mean an acquaintance who was axe murdered and wallowed. Well, we talked about that. That was though. years ago, though no one remembers. Well, yeah, mm. the, a former roommate of mine was, was axe murdered, yeah, but... Um, well, you know. But really more It's not the axe. It's the murder. You no, know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not how much, it's how many. Really, and it was just the one. that. that yeah, I mean, if it was one, you can let it go. Right. But when there's a whole series of them. Yeah, as long as it's not more than one of my roommates, it's okay. <laughs> and it depends on which one. Really, yeah. Well, the one that doesn't pay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the thing is, he went next door to borrow the axe. <laughs> he did. He got it from the neighbors. Oh, pardon me. I have to kill my roommate. Can I it wasn't a roommate. It was just a guy killed a guy's truck. So he went over, smoked some weed, and then borrowed an, a um, machete or some sort of cutting device from the next, next door neighbors. And then uh, went in, cut him into little pieces, put him into coolers, in to find that, but... She came into, you know, being told that she could not enter any further because they had to remove know. the pieces of the body. Yes, yes, yes. There are strange murders like that. Yeah, and my, the kid who I lived with there, um, Rick, who not the one who was murdered, but my friend who I was staying with, who was actually a tenant, his nephew since that murder has lived in that same house. Ooh. 
Well, he's got a lot of nerve. Yeah, Walla Walla doesn't have that many options for rentals. So. <laughs> no, not that well, many options know. for murders. Uh, pardon me, there's a murder here. Can I get a discount on my rent? <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. Okay, I got one. All right. Uh, a woman who wrote a book on grief after her husband's passing. Yes, was, this is a good one. Was charged with his murder. Yeah, she actually put fentanyl in his cocktail. She made him a Moscow mule. Um, there, this is part of the whole uh, festival of Mormon crimes that's been happening lately. Uh, he was a business owner and quite wealthy. His family owned uh, farms. Yeah, Utah. Yeah, and uh, she had worked at Home Depot. That's where they met. And um, she wanted to become a real estate investor and had been stealing his money, sold $2 million from him, and mm. then bought this money pit of a property for like... Forty-five million. She invested in it, and the day that day before it closed, she said that they were celebrating the closing. He had been very against her buying the property, and uh, so she made him a cocktail. Mm. And then her kids started crying, so she got up and left the room. And she came back six hours later, and her husband's body was cold. Oh, that yeah. was some celebration. Yeah, and then when they tested him, he had. Like six times the fatal amount of fentanyl in his system. She kept on trying to tell the police um, that he had a pill problem, but he had no history of drinking or drugs. And then also, he had told his family, she's trying to kill me. That's not a good sign. She'd also tried to poison him one other time when they were in Greece on vacation two years prior and had taken her out of his will. I bet she was pissed about that. Furious, furious. Well, she's kind of cute. Yeah, she's not bad looking. But yeah, she uh, <laughs> ghost wrote, she actually paid a company to write a children's book for her children about grief. And it's all this like, your angel dad is with you even more than he was when he was alive. Just like when you get that winning, you know, basket, your daddy's here. And it's like dad with the angel wings, you know, floating in the background. And she you know, went on you know, Salt Lake City Television and talked about her, you know, Mormon grieving, you know, book and then was a few weeks later arrested for his murder. Yeah. <laughs> I bet she's grieving about that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you got, got another hot one for us there? <laughs> I'm sure Renee has one. Uh, there least. was, uh, uh, in April this year, uh, a couple of, Three teens were playing a prank on a neighbor doing the ring the doorbell and hide. Yeah. You know, all that usual silliness. Uh, so the gentleman at the house shot them, killed yes. them all. Yes, he did. He three did what? He, he killed, killed them. The three of them. Oh, that makes sense. Someone rang my doorbell so I'll kill them? Yeah, well, you know, it is standing your ground. <laughs> standing your ground to kill someone who rings your doorbell? Mm-hmm. Who, who killed the UPS man? Well, you know, when I was living in Texas, my uh, my my ex boyfriend got especially paranoid one day, and I had to remind him that in Texas it was legal to shoot to kill a repo man if he set foot on my property. You can actually shoot to kill a police officer if they set foot on your property without proper identification. Oh, yeah. Well, that's weird. In uh, Stevenson it's Ranch, standing around. in Stevenson Ranch, the Santa Clarita Sheriff's people or whatever can come into your home without any identification markings at all on their clothing, mm-hmm. take your child out of its bed, take it down and put it in jail with no charges and hold it there for a week. Or hold you at gunpoint on Thanksgiving in a crosswalk. Yes, you had that happen, didn't you? Uh, my ex-boyfriend was held by... Three different cops at gunpoint on Thanksgiving six years ago in Santa Clarita uh, for jaywalking. That's a good reason to pull a gun on somebody. Yeah, yeah. They wanted the overtime. In fact, I got, I had the joyous experience of hearing one cop turn to the other and say, "Did you get the overtime approved?" <laughs> While they were filling out the paperwork. Um, you know, <laughs> it makes sense to me. So, in the theme of the Mormon crimes, as I mentioned that. So you had the, <clears throat> earlier this year, you had the conviction of uh, Lori Vallow Daybell, the, they called the Doomsday Mom, for uh, murdering her two youngest children and her new husband's wife. And she's now facing 
another trial for Wait, the, her new husband's wife. Would that be herself? No, no, no. Her new husband's previous wife. Right. They got married, I think, three or four days after she was buried. Yeah. She killed her? Well, he did, actually. But, yeah. They sound like wonderful people. They're really great. Yeah, and her husband, too. Uh, her previous husband. Uh, but now they're she's being extradited to Arizona to stand trial for that murder. Uh, and they killed the first... She, she killed her previous husband for the million dollars in life insurance, only to discover, 48 hours later, that she was no longer on that policy. He took her off? He did, and put on his sister... To which she sent a text message to her soon-to-be husband. It's like a knife through my heart. Then he took me off his insurance just when I was going to kill him. Exactly. God, these people are so sick. But anyway, so in the, in the Mormon crime scenario, so you had Lori Vallow Daybell and then this lady with the poisoning whose name currently escapes me. And now you have the uh, Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt from, uh, they were... Momfluencers on YouTube. Uh, Ruby Frankie had a, a YouTube channel with 3 million followers called Eight Passengers. It was all about parenting. And... Uh, Did she the one that was like duct taping? Uh... Yeah, so she took down Eight Passengers and started a new YouTube channel with Jody Hildebrandt, who's a well-known and the most referred family therapist the Mormon Church has ever referred. Um, and they started a different family therapy, family, you know, influencing site called Connections. And, um, and the children, two of, two of Ruby Frankie's six children were found duct taped and starving in Jody Hildebrandt's house. And so both Jody Hildebrandt and Ruby Frankie have been arrested. And, uh, what's come out since then is numerous, numerous former patients of Jody Hildebrandt, including Jody Hildebrandt's niece, have come forward talking about her history of these types of behaviors, as well as extreme spousal alienation. So people have been saying, well, why wasn't Ruby Frankie's husband also arrested for this? Well, that's because he hadn't seen or spoken to his children in 14 months at the insistence of their marriage therapist, Jody Hildebrandt. Oh, God. This is so perverse. Yes. And the church was recommending these people? Yes. Jody Hildebrandt was recommended for marriage and family and for the more important, pornography and masturbation addiction. What, to get it or to get well, rid of it? Well, I don't see a problem with that. She was their you know, most uh, recommended and, and renowned uh, leader in masturbation and pornography recovery. Because she would duct tape their hands behind their you'd back. You'd think, but no. <laughs> just shame them into submission, mostly. They like that. You'd think. Ooh. Can I write my bad checks now? <laughs> <laughs> this is just wonderful. Uh, a gentleman named Robert Gradelia. Mm-hmm. He tortured and killed six men. Then dismembered them into little pieces. Not big pieces, little ones? Little pieces. Okay. Small pieces. Stuff there into dog food bags. In dog food Classy. bags? Classy. That's a nice move. Yeah. Why do you do this? Just kibbles and bits and bits and bits. That, that's why. I don't know. Here he made his own gravy. Yeah. Kansas. Ugh. This is gross. Who likes true crime? This is disgusting. It's how you make your living, Daddy. Oh, I forgot. Yes. Excuse that's me. why I have to borrow money from Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that's disgusting. It is. It <laughs> is disgusting. And I'm so grateful because I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> then we have uh, John George Howe. Well, how John do we Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. H A I G H. What does he I do for fun and amusement? H I H A I G H. How would you pronounce that? H A I G H. Hate. Hate. Uh, yeah. Hi. He would uh, he would kill his victims and then uh, dissolve them in sulfuric acid. Oh, that's efficient. Yeah, he his uh, his premise was that if there's no body, they can't convict him of a crime. Oh, dad, that that makes sense. No body, no crime. Right. Yeah. But it sounds like a rush to saw. It is no after, woman, no no cry, no body, no crime. Yes. Unfortunately, after his conviction. He was hung three week, three months later. Mm, well, that was quick, at least. Yeah, that going for him. Well, as opposed to, you know, sitting on death row for 30 years. 
Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Where do these people come from? They come Utah. from everywhere. Utah. Every walk of life. Every, you know, you could be... Usually abusive families. Well, they've got to stop abusing people. Yeah, well, you know, details. And it doesn't matter your economic or social status. Well, no, I mean, the the Yorkshire Ripper, his family was incredibly wealthy. His brother was also nuts. His girlfriend comes over for a barbecue, says something he doesn't like, so he kills her, cuts her breast off, and cooks the breast on the barbecue. Yeah. Which was... Well received by guests. Oh, Fricassee sure. of uh, of mammary. Yeah. Yes. Delicious. Thanks for the mammaries, he's saying. Oh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Yorkshire Ripper, of course, who dressed up as it called me Ruth or something. Yeah. Uh, that was not a healthy relationship. No. And uh, his father, I guess, had the British patent on cling wrap and frame retardant carpet. And his father would pick on him for being a clinging retard, which didn't make any sense. Yeah, he's and, like, I invented that, and then you came. Well, speaking of abuse, yes. Uh, do you know uh, the story of Gertrude Benowitzki? Benowitzki? No. no, but her name is enough of a reason. <laughs> well, you know, she's probably a ski, so she's Polish. Yes. Okay. So what did she do or have done uh, to her? In 1965, the police found... The emancipated body of a 16-year-old. The emancipated? Not emaciated, but emancipated? Emaciated. Okay. <laughs> Wanted to check. That's all. Well, yeah, she was emancipated. Yes. <laughs> a 16-year-old uh, Indianapolis resident, Sylvia Likens. She was covered in cigarette burns, sprawled out on a filthy mattress. Uh, Sylvia and her sister boarded... Uh, uh, boarded with this woman. They lived with her. Mm. And she tortured them. How nice. That sounds like a great landlord. Yeah, I bet they could take charges against her for something. Probably. Yeah, yeah. unsanitary conditions. Yeah. I watched this in the unit. most horrifying. It's on YouTube. Mm. There's a thing of like, disgusting stories from the 1800s or something There's like that. There's a lot that. of those. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, really awful stuff. Mm-hmm. These sisters that go to work for somebody and and they start picking on them and so they smash their faces in with meat tenderizers or something and then go to cook them following a recipe for rabbit stew. Wow, That's just, just not nice. You no. Know, I mean, it was a good cookbook, but I mean, yeah. it was really How disgusting. to serve man, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's an excellent, uh, that's an excellent, excellent movie. one. You know, yeah. you know, the soil and grain. Yes. Uh, very fortuitous. Michael Rene. Oh, yeah. yes. Catherine Knight. What about her? He, she tried to feed her husband to his children. Mm. Mm, that's like, what's that's her name? Classy. Ruth Nestland. Yes. Remember Ruth Nestland? They no, couldn't I... even, they couldn't uh, prosecute Ruth Nestland because she was also BSC. Quasi. 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 She. Quasi uh, Wesley Webbin. Well, it was the guy that crashed his uh, boat. Not larger than a boat. <laughs> Yacht. Yeah, whatever it was, into the uh, West Seattle Bridge. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, she ground him up uh, into hamburger and donated the food to, like, the food bank mm. and her neighbors. Yeah. And uh, she got, con- well, she was going to be convicted of that, but by that time she was totally senile. And a friend of ours uh, took care of her at the rest home. Mm. See the... But, you know, Everything comes full circle. Yeah, it comes yeah. back to us, always does. It's all our fault. It's a narcissist theme song. It always comes back to me, right? So, uh, so Catherine here stabbed her husband, John Price, to death 37 times. She stabbed She him. was mad. Hmm. Um, in terms of overkill, that's really not well, that extreme. You know, she was enjoying herself. Yeah. Then she skinned him. Ouch! Mm. Decapitated him. Yes. Then cooked up parts of his body. Nice. She sat her dining room table for two and served the cooked meat with baked potato and vegetables. Mm. Would she make the kids eat the vegetables too? Probably. Uh, I don't know. She placed handwritten notes next to each table setting, writing, uh, setting with the names of the children on them. I remember reading about this one. It's really foul. Well, no, there was no, there was no chicken. No, no chicken, yeah, no turkey either. 
okay, you guys are sick. I mean, I'm the one who's medically nuts, and you two are disgusting. <laughs> I uh, I watched a really interesting slasher movie last night. Last night called Sick. I liked it. Sick? Yes, it's a um, tongue-in-cheek parable about uh, COVID. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, I liked it a lot. Cause I've seen, I haven't seen even the trailers for it, but I've seen it come up on my screen as available to watch. Well, if you're if you're into that kind of silliness, see, and I don't like horror movies, but I do, in fact, fall asleep to Dateline. So, uh, yeah. no, I um, I I am a huge horror film fan. I like monster movies. And Did you see Black Sheep? Uh, was wasn't that with Robert Conrad? No, no, no. <laughs> that was Bob yeah. Black Sheep. <laughs> No, I, I got it from uh, Matt's collection of uh, DVDs. Oh yeah, and I took it home, and it's the sheep or the evil, <laughs> evil sheep. Oh, okay, I remember this now. Yeah, that was exciting. Well, uh, you know, then there, there there's uh, any number of Razorback. I didn't see, although I did see the poster for it for Refrigerator. It's a possessed refrigerator. What was oh. that one with the um, the the priest? Rawhead Rex. No, 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 no. Although that was of my childhood, an epic horror film. No, the one with the great title that we watched. It was a terrible, terrible oh, movie. Oh, 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 I know which one you mean. Keep talking, it'll come to me. Uh, he turns into like a... a oh, oh, Velocipaster. Yes, Velocipaster. <laughs> the priest who turns into that a sound, dinosaur. That sounds, that sounds like a Troma Corp special. It really was like a Troma film, but... Um, but it wasn't. It was made right down the street. Uh, it was from a, a, a Cal Arts graduate. But uh, the the concept was better than the execution. Sadly, yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of it. But Velocipaster uh, is the greatest title ever. It's a killer tire. Oh yeah, yeah. Rub, yeah. I think it was called Rubber. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, I remember that. And we had a killer tomatoes too. Attack. Um, the attack of the killer the tomatoes. Attack of the killer tomatoes. Yes, the undercover, the undercover officer dressed in a tomato costume mm. has infiltrated the killer tomatoes, and he gets caught because he asked for them to pass the ketchup. Right. <laughs> That's just horrible. That is really disgusting. No, it's supposed. It was supposed to be fun. Yeah, I imagine it was. I mean, because like you know, all, all the Troma Corp crap was just supposed to be silly. Silly. Well, I know? can remember paying extra money to go to the midnight show of crazy mixed up zombies who stopped, stopped living. living and became, no, is it uh, the people who stopped living and became crazy mixed, mixed up, zombies. up zombies? I've only seen the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of that. Well, I saw it at the Liberty that's, Theater that's, in Walla Walla, That's a much Washington. better choice. Yes. I've actually seen every single MSC3K episode. That's done by Cash Flag, is who made that film. Who also made Bat, uh, Rat Fink and Boo Boo, which is a satire of Batman and Robin. <laughs> I like that title pretty pretty great. Rat Fink and Boo Boo. Yeah. Sounds like imaginary friends I would have had as a child. <laughs> hey, Yogi. <laughs> hey, Boo Boo. Yes, Boo Boo. You're picking basket. Yes, and no one listening to the show knows Yogi, Yogi the Bear. <laughs> oh, no. No, I, I know the demographics of the people who listen to this show. Because they actually research this stuff, strange as it may seem, I know that they demo- research this stuff. Who they? They. They. The imperial plural. Who's, who's <laughs> they in this context? Uh, people from Spotify. Okay. Spotify researches this. Okay. And they someone this- who does a job like I used to do. Yeah. Research this. And they have researched that the bulk weighty portion of our audience. <laughs> Is bordering on senility. That's <laughs> shocking. It's because you, you listen to it yourself over well, and over you know. again. Yeah, over and over and over again. Just to hear the sound of my voice. Yeah, you, Like yeah. when you watch yourself on um, Good Morning America. Yeah. When I was uh, in junior high school, my dad was on Good Morning America after doing the Maverick book. Yeah. And he watched the recording of himself on Good Morning America over and over and Until over just again. Until it out. Yeah. I remember telling him he was going to burn his retina out watching it. <laughs> And you just smile and sit in front of the TV. Come on, Good Morning America. <laughs> rewind, rewind on the VHS. That's like when you rent a movie and someone has watched the same little that scene. That scene. And it's one in, in Basic Instinct where she uncrosses her legs. Mm-hmm. And you can tell people have watched that in slow-mo so they many times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the fun thing about VHS. 
There's been so many disgusting true crime stories and so many great true crime books. We've had all the great authors on this show. And- all the great authors. Although you haven't had that, there, and he's from the same publisher as you, the woman who wrote about her son who killed her daughter. I told you about this case. The killer's name was Paris something. And um, her 13-year-old son killed her 6-year-old daughter and then called the police. She was at work. He'd sent the babysitter home early and murdered his sister. That's horrible. Yeah. And she's been in prison, you know, for life. He was sent to prison for life. He's a diagnosed psychopath. And um, he could be paroled, I think, in another, like, 20 years, 15 years. And she says that she knows he will kill her when he gets out. This sounds familiar. I think and she, I believe- like, visits him and talks to him I and think stuff. we had her on the show. No, no, I talked to you about her and told you to have her on the show. You haven't had her on the show yet. Well, you should be severely chastised, Burl. Get well, on. there's another one we had on with a mother... Uh, and his son had murdered people, and he she visited him and all that. Yeah, but this one because it was in the last few months, and I you haven't had her on yet. I remember. Well, we have this a wild blue press author. We'll get him. Yeah, um, it's like something all the butterflies or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, we did her. No, no, we didn't do her. We no, had her. You, you, we talked we about tried, it. We tried, but she said no. <laughs> no, I, we talked about it, but you haven't had her on yet. That's weird. Uh We've talked. We have talked about it, you and I, uh, with guests uh, on the show f- uh, many times. But uh, I'll set the scene. It's Vancouver, ah, and it's in the it's in the less than desirable area. Hastings, East Hastings. Well, there's the young ladies. Uh, it's East the, Hastings. Well, young ladies are offering their wares and are disappearing. And their underwears and they're disappearing. Yes. And the girls go to the police and say, "Hey." We're disappearing, and you're not helping. And they go, so? Yeah, so what? And then they go, we know, we know who's doing it. Mm -hmm. Say, we don't care. We don't care. Why don't you care? Because we don't have the money. The research, we don't have the resources. To do the research and and handle such an expansive murder case. Plus, they were Native American and prostitutes. Yes. made them extra not care about it. And then they continue to disappear until finally they get the state police involved. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, a, that a, uh, a farmer mm-hmm. who uh, had a, a very farmer. large stable of pigs would take the women and kill them and feed them to the pigs. That's right. And what, you know, they say he's a pig farmer and people imagine it's some small pig farm. No, no it, was it wasn't. It was a multi-million dollar business. Yeah, in British Columbia, which is you know, where my ex-husband was from and where I went to high school, everything. this was a big deal in the 90s. And the fear was that he had exported prostitute meat with the pork. Yeah. But it was actually that the pigs had eaten the hookers. Yes, and they've made a movie of this called The Pig Farmer Killer. Yes, but in that movie, doesn't he hunt for his victims with a giant pig with him? I have no idea. I just know that they made a movie. I have not. I read the synopsis. He does. He hunts the, the downtown streets. With the giant pig. The giant to pig. not raise any suspicion or to draw a picture to himself. <laughs> uh, whether he did or not, it would, you know, I've always found it fascinating that these cases are so off the wall. They're so out into left field. Why do you need to change the facts when the facts themselves are unbelievable? Right. Or they take out the unbelievable parts and make them normal. Yes. Uh... Yes, well, you know, we're back. They took out the guy with the live pig and just made him a normal farmer. (laughs) Well, you know, they could have made him one, two, three, a cartoon mouse. They could have made him a cartoon mouse. They could have. They could have. As long as they write the check. We were very fortunate that we did have... uh, Someone write a check? (laughs) Someone write a check. We should be so lucky. Right. The uh, Canada's number one investigative journalist was on our show who did write the definitive book on the case, which is called On the Farm. Mm. And she was great. Uh, they have different laws in Canada, of course, you know. Yes, uh, yeah. And where you can't write about a case that hasn't been educated yeah. yet. Yes. So unlike America, where you do trial by talk show, mm-hmm. and you have Nancy Grace saying, and all the evidence in the car. We had this prosecutor on one time who was watching Nancy Grace, mm-hmm. and they were talking about all the evidence that he's screaming at the TV said, what are you talking about? Well, I, I was talking about uh, a little bit ago, the, the Lori Vallow Daybell case. Uh-huh. Before the trial, four books came out. That's insane. 
Right. And in fact, two of them came out before they'd even found the bodies of the children. How could they do that? Because they had the bodies of the husband and the wife. Well, that's what you call a quick and dirty. Right. That's, that's called capitalizing on the moment. I mean, when I write a true crime book, mm-hmm. it's not because I'm lazy, but... Well... <laughs> yeah, because I'm old and senile. Nah. <laughs> I mean, the fastest I've written one is, what, six months or something? About, yeah. Usually it's about a year. Usually. Sometimes it's more than that. It's the one I've been working on now with Frank Gerardo. We've been working on this one for several years. Yes, you have. And the only reason it's not done yet is we're trying to pull together... We can't put it out. We're talking about a case where... The guy who's been in prison for 20 years for murder... Is, is trying to get paroled. Trying to get paroled. Now, in order to get paroled, you have to show remorse for killing the person. You have to really show honest remorse. He does have honest remorse for whatever role he played in the guy's death. But he didn't actually kill the person. I don't think so. No. But he really deserves to get out of prison. He's a very nice person. Yes, he is. And you know what? As he said, prison has been very, very good to him. It has. And they let him do all those sweat lodges. I was surprised by that. Yeah. And uh, interesting case, interesting fellow. And it turns out, this is mind-blowing, ladies and gentlemen. It uh, blows his mind. It does. Ooh. I was minding my own business at home the other night. Mm. I get a phone call. Hi, this is Corey. My mind's Oh, yeah, that was funny. I'm going, Corey, Corey, which Corey is this? The one who looks like Todd. The one who looks like my nephew Todd. Which I thought of immediately when I saw it come up. Yeah, that's who it was. The one who looks like my nephew Todd. Hadn't seen him in probably 20 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, not my nephew, but this Corey. No, close, though. <laughs> I'm kidding. We met at a motel in Hollywood. The motel that I got you when you very first were left home. Yes. I used my hotel points and I got you the motel. When you very first got to L.A. And that's where I met this guy, Corey, who has a tattoo of his patent number. He patented something to get a tattoo of the patent number. He was there at this motel. Was where I met this girl, Bobby, who's still a friend of mine. She lives now in Vegas. And he says, remember Tony? No, remember Mark? And as a joke, I said the guy's last name. He goes, yes. Because mm-hmm. the criminal world in Los Angeles is a tiny place. I said, oh, my God, that's the criminal I'm writing this book about. (laughs) Turns out I'd met this guy. The criminal I'm writing this book about, I actually met the guy 20 years ago. When your daughter got you a motel room. Yes. It's just all too bizarre. And, yeah, he was hiding out because he says, I think these Russian mobsters are are connected. I think they're snitches and and all this stuff. And he was right. He was right. And, uh... 20 years later, it's all coming out in a new book by Frank Girardo and I that we can, will not put out until after his, his the uh, parole. parole here. You can't put out a book that says the guy's innocent if he's going to... It would really hurt his chances. Yeah, but he is the first person... Uh, okay, it's going to be December 12th, I believe, at 8.30 in the morning. Now, if you're the person going to the parole board at 8.30 in the morning, that's good. You don't want to be the guy at 4.15. No. No. The one at 8.30 in the morning is usually the one they're going to say yes to. Because they're not burnt out yet. Yeah. But the ones in the afternoon are the ones going to take a lot of time to talk about. Mm -hmm. So the ones in the morning are the ones that, yeah, go. Mm -hmm. So we're really hoping he gets paroled and then we can put the book out. Excellent. So and that, then now uh, we need to have uh, Frank over for you guys yeah, to talk Yeah, the book about will be over. called To Live and Lie in L.A. Mm-hmm. William Peterson, to live and die in L.A. Hate the ending. Mm-hmm. Movie is fabulous. Except for the ending. Yeah, well, you know, we don't want him to die. Should... No, it's kind of in the title, though. Yeah, but he's the good guy. Yeah. Uh, do you got? Do you know the name Dennis Nielsen? Mm-hmm. Do you, Anaya? Yeah. I don't. Okay, I'm so lucky if I know my own up, name at this stage of the game. In the 70s and 80s, he would pick up young men... In, uh, in London bars, take them home, kill them, then he would bathe them and dress them, their dead bodies, and he would hang on to the bodies. For how long? For weeks or months. Like you do. You know, and then he would talk to them as friends and have sex with them. And then eventually he would uh, either, he would either immolate the bodies 
or flush the parts down the toilet. Oh, you lazy man. Yeah. This, this guy, is the industry you've chosen, Dad. Well done. <laughs> Look, I think I'll start writing more of Jeff Reynolds mysteries. I think you should. Those are my um, favorites. There's no short of BSC. Yeah. You know, out there. No, yeah. It's kind of a continuous supply. That's what's tragic. There's an endless supply of dangerously crazy people. Yes. I've met some. Yes. And what's scary is I've now entered the key demographic for dangerous and crazy. Middle-aged white women. You could be crazy or you could be a victim. Well, both. Either. Oh, you could victimize yourself. Well, I already have done that. (laughs) But, uh, no, I used to say there is no one crazier than, well, I don't have any children, but say no one crazier than a middle-aged white mother. Or a middle-aged white man off his meds. Well, yes. That's how I won the costume contest in mm-hmm. Las Vegas on Halloween. It's the scariest costume they ever seen. Yeah, I I wore a sport jacket and slacks and a tie. It wasn't middle-aged, it was middle-class. <laughs> Both. Yeah. And I was about the only uh, person who looked white there. Technically, I'm yeah. not white, of course, because I'm Semitic. So, but I, they said, what's your costume? And I said, the scariest thing you can think of. A middle-aged white man off his meds. <laughs> and I won. Yes. Because they were all absolutely terrified. <laughs> they were. Nothing scarier. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'd already told the story how I got the car back. They liked That's it. That's a great story. A true story, too. Amazing. I think it was the suit and the haircut. Yeah. And the fact that I was just so damn nervy. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I should get another one of those suits, Giorgio Armani, double-breasted. Yeah, I don't think uh, that your current female companion has the uh, the same taste bracket that the one that you were with at that time did. No, but no. how often do I wear a Giorgio Armani double-breasted suit anyway? Well, how often did you do that when you were married to my mother? <laughs> <laughs> well, quite often, actually. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but that that did the trick when I wanted to get that stolen car back. Indeed it did. Just got the hair razor cut, looked like, uh, you know. Mobster Bob. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mobster Bob in Las Vegas. (laughs) Hey, I was watching Suits. You know, I watched all nine seasons. I binge watched that series. Of course you did. Which I loved. So the second time around, I was watching it at our friend Danielle's because she's now started watching it. And now I just pay attention to the Suits. I actually watch the Suits the guys are wearing. You and my brother... Jordan and his fixation with double-breasted suits. Yeah. Remember that when he was little? Yeah. All he wanted was a double-breasted suit with inside pockets. Remember? Yeah. He would, wouldn't well, I gave it my Giorgio Armani. I know. And, oh, he looked good in it, too. We did. They have the most, They wear the most incredible suits in yeah, that show. Yeah, they do. And these big, these big bre- uh, lapels on them. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, they're incredible. I wonder, uh, I wonder if they, uh, if they uh, have a wardrobe. Uh, clause in their contract. <laughs> I would hope so. I hope they get to keep the suits. I just said that. That's exactly yeah. what he just said. <laughs> yes. That's what I just said. Well, I mean, it would be kind of sad if, if a show called Suits had terrible, terrible costumes. Be like if it was prom dresses or say yes to the dress. It was all just <laughs> or, ugly you know, crap shows. Python, you know, a tutu. Right. Or a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. And what's her name? The secretary in that show. Always oh, wears these incredible dresses with his. Because mm-hmm. they're also be very wealthy, you know. Always. A lot of money, big bucks. Indeed. Because we have, have aspirational we have, television. What do we have on the slate for next week? Uh, we might have Kathy Scott. Okay. I think you should try to have Rick Emerson, like I was telling oh, you. I already, I already sent Rick Emerson a message and yes. said we wanted him. Yes. Tell us what that, that is. We can. Okay, so. Back when I lived in Portland in the early 2000s, I was a big fan of a talk radio show hosted by a man named Rick Emerson, the Rick Emerson Show. And he popped into my head, and I discovered that he has a book out, came out last year, called Unmask Alice. And it is about the scandal behind the books Go Ask Alice and Jay's Journal, which turns out were completely fabricated by a con artist. And not actually, you know, ripped from the real diaries of young people. So, but Go Ask Alice was a huge, huge book. Yes, and it was and, a hit song, and it was also a TV movie. Yes, Go indeed Ask it Alice. was. Yes. Do you remember what the Dormouse said? Go Ask. Oh, feed your head. head. Feed your head. Should I read the? Truth is stranger than nonfiction. 
LSD, Satanic Panic, and the imposter behind The World's Most Notorious Diaries by Rick Emerson. Two teens, two diaries, two social panics, one in 19- supposed diary of a middle class war on drugs. Five million copies later, Go Ask Alice remains a divisive bestseller, outreaching censors and earning new fans, all of them drawn by the book's mythic premise, a real diary. But Alice was only the beginning. In 1979, another diary rattled the culture, setting the stage for a national meltdown. The posthumous memoir of an alleged teenage Satanist, Jay's Journal, merged with a frightening new crisis, adolescent suicide, to create a literal witch hunt, shattering countless indies. In reality, Go Ask Alice and Jay's Journal came from the same dark place. A serial con artist who betrayed a grieving family, stole a dead boy's memory, and lied her way to the National Book Awards. Oh, Unmask Alice, LSD, Satanic Panic, and the Imposter Behind the World's Most Notorious Diaries is a true story of contagious deception. Stretches from Hollywood to Quantico and passes through a tiny patch of Utah named the fraud capital of America. It's a story of a doomed romance and eventual celebrity, of a lazy press and a public mob, of two suicidal teenagers and their exploitation by a literary vampire. Wow, that sounds incredible. I haven't read the book, but... The sales pitch on it is incredible. Fantastic. Yeah, so I already sent uh, Rick Emerson an email before the show today. And I will be on when you have him because I I was who found it and I'm a fan of his. So, haha, I'm going to be here. Good. Okay. She follows in my stumbling footsteps. Indeed I do. And that's uh, why when mom would get angry at me, she'd call me Burl. Yeah. <laughs> what other, uh, you have uh, some material that's out now. Yes, I have two new books mm-hmm. that you should buy immediately. If not sooner. And yeah. use them for paperweights or doorstops. Yes, you right. set them on fire. It really doesn't matter. Just yes, buy them, buy them, buy them. We don't care if you read them. We just care that you buy them. Stealing Manhattan, the true story of America's billion-dollar gem eyes, masterminds, and secrets of a Hollywood private eye. Written with Fred Wolfson, the true story of his cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, President, uh, not well. Hey, Pearl. Yeah. I hope we have a guest next week. Uh, so do I. Because I don't count. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, what's next? Magic Matt Allen and the Demons of Decadence, who are told to stand by, stand down and stand by. <laughs> Live from the Light.